Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Brilliant, brilliant. It's great to have time together, uh, Mike and Barbara and Pete and Anna and Noah. You are such a blessing to the church. And it's great to hear the uh, words that I want to speak about today really explained uh, just in that short clip in terms of lives that are lived following Jesus, holding on and drawing near to him. So this morning, I want us to look at, at just a couple of simple things, really, what it is to draw near to God, to hold on to the hope that we have, and to stir one another up and to continue to meet together. We're uh, just coming out of the central part of Hebrews, which speak a lot of uh, who Jesus is, what he has done, this understanding that we get of Jesus as our great high priest, that he was not only a priest, but also the sacrifice for our sin. And these last chapters have spoken so deeply of the fact that the blood of Jesus cleanses us. It makes us clean before God, not just on the outside, but from the inside out. It gives us a clear conscience. And the writer to the Hebrews is so desperate for those early Hebrew believers to grasp hold of, to take hold of, to understand the fact that what they have in Jesus is so much more precious than anything they would have left behind. Um, Luke summed it up last week, didn't he? He said that they, what Jesus had done had given them access, access, access to God the Father, that they could come boldly and confidently before him. And so we want to, to, to move on from there and to look at exactly what that means. And um, this passage begins in verse 19 with, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is through his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Now, one of the things I learned as a small kid at Bible studies at the Crusader group I was part of was just a very basic principle that said, any time when you read the Bible and you see a therefore, find out what it's there for. In other words, it, the word therefore connects into a previous thought. Because of what I've just said, this is how this impacts you. And the writer to Hebrews wants them to know 
that because we have access to Jesus, because he is not only our sacrifice, but also our great high priest, this is what it means for us. And, um, and, and again, the context to this is written to Hebrew believers who were considering giving up. They were growing tired. Life was difficult. They were starting to face persecution, finding following Jesus tough. And so the writer has outlined how amazing what Jesus has done is. And then the imperative to move forward is to hold fast. It's to draw near to Jesus. It's not to give up because of what Jesus has done. And this passage is, is almost three very simple commands which are about knowing and drawing close to God by faith, pushing on, holding fast to the hope we have So first one is by faith, the second one holding on is by hope, and then together stirring one another up, loving. And we see time and time again in the Bible, faith, hope, and love characterizing the walk of a Christian. These things are not just opportunities, but the obligations that we have as followers of Jesus to draw near to him, to hold fast to the hope that we have and to stir one another up together to love. So let's look at that first part. The first one of those is, is verse 22. Let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near to God. You know, as Christians, we can have a confidence in approaching God. It's amazing. And, 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 you know, sometimes when I think that the God who created the universe, who is pure and holy and perfect in every single way, can deal with me with all of my faults and failings and wrongdoing. And this is the amazing thing that the, and, and even more so, the impact that would have had on those early Jewish background believers who were used to the fact that the high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies once a year. They were excluded from the presence of God. And to know that we have access and that we can come confidently, we can come confidently and boldly before God. Why? Because we've been sprinkled clean. We have a clear conscience. You know, God at work on the inside changing us. I was doing some baptism prep with a precious brother this week, and uh, he just was talking about how Jesus changed his life. And he said, I can't do the things that I used to do. And nobody had necessarily told him those things were wrong, but it was the Holy Spirit on the inside of him, this new, clean, cleansed conscience, telling him you can't do what you used to do. He had had a heart that was sprinkled clean, and God didn't want him to have any longer a guilty conscience. You know, I think this is so important that we understand 
that we have a way to God the Father through Jesus Christ, his Son. And that means that we need to come confidently to God. And I want to say that this is especially so when we mess up. You know, when we mess up, we do things wrong, we feel distant from God, we feel unclean. And at that point, we, we feel like we can't come back to God. You know, and I've met people who said, I messed up my life, I did something wrong, and I realized there's no going back. Brothers and sisters, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have access to God. And especially so when you've messed up, when we sin, let's not run from God, but let's run to God. And just some of us here today, I just really feel like you're in the place where you're saying, God, I've messed up. Brothers and sisters, draw near to him. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. God wants to give you a sense of sorrow over your sin, not to keep you away from him, but so that you would draw near to him and say, Father, I'm sorry, I've sinned, I need you. And friends, if you're finding life difficult, draw near to God. How? By faith, by faith. By faith, trusting, trusting. It talks here about full assurance of faith. Let your sin drive you toward God, not away from him. You have an open invitation. Now, I don't know about you, but different people, now we're all on lockdown at the moment, so we can't do it, but different people live differently. Some people have the drop-in anytime mentality to their home, and I grew up in a home very much like that, so there was always people dropping in, and I thought that was normal in life, and so when Annie and I got married, I would just bring anyone back, no warnings, you know, just like, oh, look, darling, there's two more people for dinner, yeah. you know, like, and like, I was happy, like I achieved something by doing that, you know, like, just come round and drop in. And I learned pretty quickly that um, actually Annie prefers more of a let us know at least in advance or at least call me on the way back and say you're bringing people. Um, and... Sometimes we can take that into our relationship with God where we feel like we have to make an appointment. Friends, you have access. It's open house. Drop in. It's not just for those half an hour in the morning or, or in reality is often 15 minutes rushing out the door, trying to comb your hair, drink your coffee, read your Bible. It's not just for those 10 minutes, whatever it is. There is an open invitation to draw near. Don't wait to be invited in that sense. God has already invited you. The blood of Jesus has made a way for you. Secondly, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Verse uh, 23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. You know, to these writers, the, the early hearers who attempted to give up, the invitation is to draw near to God and in drawing near to God, hold unswervingly to the hope 
we profess. Your version may say, hold fast, hold fast, hold on, hold on tight. You know, one of the things is, I think if we hold fast to the hope that we have, if we hold unspeaking, unswervingly to it, we'll begin to speak more of it. I think there's such a dynamic of part of holding fast to the hope we have is to speak of it. Things that are prominent in our lives become prominent in our speech. Have you noticed that? If something is important to you, you talk about it. And I can tell what's important to you from what you speak about. You know, if we think about our lives, what's important to us? Um, Nando's, what's important to us? Maybe the football club we support, maybe our families. Why? Because we speak of those things. And I really believe that if we want to hold fast to the hope we have, then we need to let our mouths know about it. This idea of the hope that we profess, if it's in us, if we're holding on to it, if we draw near to God, it will find a place in our speech. And also speaking about our faith actually helps us to hold on to it. Don't be distracted You know, these early Hebrew believers were tempted to give up. They were facing difficulty, and it was going to knock them off course. I was so blessed listening to Mike and Barbara talking about how those difficulties they experienced, and it's great to hear people who've been following Jesus for many years talking about the fact, uh, some of the practical things that they did to hold fast. That sense of finding fellowship, of coming back to God. And I really want to encourage you, don't allow difficulty to distract you. Allow difficulty to focus you on Jesus. Because difficulty will do that. It will magnify what's already inside. And if our desire is to cling to Jesus, difficulty will cement that. If we're already distant, Difficulty will magnify that. Draw near to God and hold unswervingly. Hold fast to the profession of faith. Do you know, if we're going to cling to the faith, we need to be people who actively read the Bible. That's so important. That How do we hold on to our faith? How do we cling to it primarily through the reading and understanding of the Bible. Everything that we need to know to be able to follow Jesus and live the life he's called us to has its origins in the Bible. God is able to speak to us and give us all that we need to live a life following him. I really want to encourage you, don't jettison the bits that you don't like. As soon as we start getting rid of the verses that don't look good on Instagram, then what we have is no longer the faith that we've received. It's a faith of our own construction. And we are to hold fast to the faith that we profess, the faith that we've received and believed. Paul talks, doesn't he, about this on which you have taken your stand. And you see, hope is the key. Hope is the key. We take by faith. We receive 
by faith, but then we persevere in hope. To hold on, we need to live with a sense of hope because hope gives us a perspective that it's not just about the here and now. Hope teaches us that there is a future uh, that is awesome that God is calling us into. Hope calls us upward and onward. It reminds us that as Christians, we don't just live for the here and now. We live with a sense of something bigger and better and more wonderful than what we see just in the here and now. Hebrews constantly reminds Christians to go onward, forward, upward, into perfection, to what God has for us. And it's that sense of hope that keeps us persevering. You know, Romans 15 speaks about hope as well. And it says, it talks about how hope comes in verse 4 by endurance and through the Bible, through the Word of God. And if we want to have a sense of hope, we need to make the decision to endure. We need to be in this for the long haul. We need to die to self, live to Christ, and we need to fuel that decision through meditating on, reading, understanding, living the Word of God. It's so important. Um, A a few verses later there in verse 15, it talks about how, um, how hope comes from the Holy Spirit. And I believe that so much of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives is provoked through the reading of the Bible. So I really want to encourage you, if you want to hold fast, hold on to your Bibles. Don't just leave them on the shelf or just take them out on Sunday morning. Earlier on in Hebrews, the writer had reminded them in Hebrews verse 3, verse 6, but Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. God is at work. Jesus is Lord. And we need to hold fast to the hope. This whole passage has in it as well, when it talks uh, towards the end of the passage about as 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 the day looms, as we look forward to the day, the idea of Christ's return. Ultimately, that's our hope as Christians. It's not just in a, in a better life now. You know, you know, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Joel Osteen wasn't right. It's not about your best life now. But actually, as Christians, we live for the hope that we have in Christ. Hope needs to be held on to. It needs to have, earlier as we talked about, have this hope as an anchor for our souls Hold fast. Don't give up, brothers and sisters. If you're in a tough place, talk to someone. You know, find ways to encourage others and be encouraged in your own faith. And then the third part of this, let us consider how we may spur one another on. And let us consider how we may spur, verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. All the more as you see the day 
approaching. Let us consider. Let us consider. And it actually says in some translations, let us consider how to stir one another up. Brothers and sisters, I pray that we would be a room full of stirrers. Now, that may have another connotation where you are from. You know, coming from a big family, there were six of us, plus my mum and dad, in a small council flat. And that meant that there was quite a bit of uh, arguing and fighting. And uh, when you've got that number of people in close uh, proximity to one another, you learn how to stir quite easily. Because particularly when you've got six kids, you then have tribes even amongst the kids. And so one of the great survival skills is to learn to be a good stirrer. And you can stir something else up and get no blame. I'm sure those of you who have teachers have kids in your class who maybe never get into trouble but stir it all up. Maybe some of you were those kids. Mm. Anyway, we won't, won't look in too many directions. But we know what it is to stir up in that sense, don't we? And yet the community of the kingdom of God, the local church, ought to be a place where we learn to stir one another up. It says here, uh, let us consider, let us consider. What's really interesting is it's not just the action But he's saying to them, I want you to go away and to think about how do you stir one another else up? How do you not just go do it, but let this be something you're thinking about. It needs to be on your radar. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we need to be thinking, how do I stir up those around me to love and good deeds in our idle moments rather than just kind of watching another rerun on Netflix or whatever it is, why don't we put some proactive time, thought and effort into how can I encourage my brothers and sisters? Not just, oh God, if you give me an opportunity, I'll do it. But let us consider, let's think about, let's meditate, let's be on it. What are we to stir them on to? Love and good deeds. The community of the kingdom of God, the local church, is characterized by love and good deeds. And I believe that that's true of our church, but I want to see it more and more the case. That we stir one another up to love and good deeds. Not a passive thing, but it says I'm actually going to go out of my way to think about how I encourage others in their faith. So that requires me to think about others. It means taking my thoughts off of myself and putting them onto my brothers and sisters in Christ. It means that we live a life together characterized by love, encouragement, and fellowship. Brothers, sisters, are you going to be a stirrer in the kingdom of God? Are you going to stir others up? Are you going to be a provoker? Provoker? Are you going to use all of your stirring gifts to provoke others to love and to good works? Not just nice feelings, but actions. And there's that sense in which it it gives life to the fact that we are called to gather together to fellowship, to encourage one another, to be sent 
to do good deeds. As Christians, we gather to be sent. We gather to be sent, to be salt and light. And it says here, um, don't neglect meeting together. Don't neglect meeting together. When we draw near to God and we hold fast to the hope we have, we will always draw near to other Christians. It's a it's inescapable. As we draw near to God, we are drawn near to other Christians. I just it, it really does my my head in sometimes when we think about and hear Christians talking only of their relationship with God. That is always worked out in the context of committed relationships in a local community, a church. It's so important not to neglect meeting together. You know, it's, it's one of the challenges. How do I preach on this verse when we've closed church services for times? I think we need to be honest and real and to, to say, actually, that was a really difficult decision to have to do. But we needed to do it to love each other. And that not gathering has been an expression of our love for one another, particularly when the levels of coronavirus in Tower Hamlets were as they are, as they were. But actually, things are really changing. And I want to encourage you that we have to understand that not meeting together is a difficult situation and will impact us. You know, lockdown, the inability to have meaningful Christian fellowship as we would like to should have affected your spiritual life. It's affected mine. Why? Because God designed the church to be the church. God designed us for fellowship. God designed us to gather together as church. And when we haven't been able to do it, it has had an effect. And I really want to encourage you, if, whether you're at home or whether you're here, don't neglect to meet together. Now, if you're particularly vulnerable and you need to shield, I'm not saying you have to suddenly start coming along to, to, to all of our meetings, but find ways to make sure that you are meeting with other Christians. It's such a privilege that we can do some of that on Zoom, isn't it? I think one of the things that this season has shown us, and shown I've talked to people who realize that they were part of a church, but once you take the Sunday service away, there is no church. And friends, I'd challenge them, maybe if that was ever really meaningfully an expression of church. There has to be more. And I really think that this passage of uh, let us not neglect meeting together is specifically or, or more, more pointed towards our smaller group meetings. Because that idea of encouraging one another and stirring one another up, actually, yes, we get to do that when we come together normally in our services and we always make room to make sure there's a multitude of voices in the church. It's why I'm not the only one that's speaking regularly with a good preaching team. It's why we make room for people to share an encouragement, a testimony, a prophecy, because we want to encourage and provoke one another. And yet the most effective way to do that is in some of our smaller groups. And I just want to be really clear and really honest with you. If you're a part of THCC, but you're not committed to a smaller group expression of church here, we will not be able to care for you properly. 
and you will not grow as well as you could or should because the importance of of meeting together and encouraging one another. It is so, so important. Fellowship is an absolute priority in the New Testament church. Just in closing, Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. You know, Lucy and Stephen do a fantastic job with our church life groups. And I want to encourage you, if you take anything away from this meeting today, take away the fact that you need to find some smaller expression of our church community together, as well as our Sunday services. Um, God designed us for fellowship and to encourage one another. And just also, just in closing, it's so important. It's not just my job to encourage you. It's not just the staff team or the elders' job. We all want to do that. But actually, the key dynamic here is encourage one another. Stir one another up. It's body life. It's not top-down. Yes, we create a culture and set some of the context of it. But actually, the beauty of it is in our one another life together. Don't give up. I want to encourage you, draw near to God. Hold fast to the hope that we have. Hold fast to the profession of your hope in Jesus. And then lastly, stir one another stir one another up and don't give up meeting together. We're going to worship God now. I just want to encourage you, if you need to reset some stuff in your life, take this time as the worship band lead us in worship just to draw near to God. Thank him for the fact that you can come with a clear conscience. Thank him that you get to hold fast to hope and thank him for the one another, for the opportunity that we have to meet together into the name of Jesus. God bless you.